You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. C.S. Lewis commented on the birth of Christ with these words. Once in our world, a stable had something bigger in it than our whole world. Lewis also observed the following, and I quote here, The birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. Lewis is tapping into the sense and emphasis of the early church fathers. Before one thought about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, one thought about the birth of Jesus Christ. And for me, it's just mind-boggling to think, that the word took on flesh and dwelt with man. That's John 1.14. From the perspective of the first century Greek philosopher, it was just unthinkable for the sacred deity to take on the dirty and filthy humanity. You know, in this 21st century, the script has been flipped, as they say. The material has become sacred and the divine sacrilege. It is now said that there's no need for God because man in the flesh has become its own God. Now, listen, it does not matter if you lived under the shadow of Plato or or Deirdre, Aristotle or Freud. Regardless of the philosophical slop postulated from one generation to the next, several truths transcend every single age. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was born to Mary to save his people from their sins. Jesus, the king of the universe, was born of the virgin. Born of the virgin Mary in unlikely circumstances, right? King Jesus was born not with fanfare surrounding his crib, but perhaps surrounded by animals. The birth of Christ did not take place in a castle, but probably, as we see Um, historically speaking, probably in the lower level, outdoors of a lower level of someone's home. In the most unremarkable of circumstances, the most remarkable person the world has ever known was born. And who was there to rejoice at this fantastic event? Yes, there was Mary and Joseph, and they were there to comfort their crying child. And the Magi, right? They, They eventually would come, maybe a year later, bearing gifts for the king. You would think that such an event would be accompanied by great men and women offering praise. Well, that exactly did not happen. Not in that night. Instead of a royal entrance of kings and queens dressed in their finest attire walking into, say, Westminster in London, instead of royalty, there will be stinky, filthy, and lowly shepherds. They will witness greatness. They will be the first who will worship the newborn king. So here's what I'm going to do. The following is a Christmas story entitled A Shepherd's First Christmas. Now the story is based upon Luke 2 verses 8 to 21, which Rob read for us a few minutes ago. Now I offer this story as a faithful attempt, hopefully, at what we read in the gospel accounts, specifically Luke 2. But I also want to paint a picture, paint a reality of the shepherd's life and how lowly shepherds would come 
to worship Jesus. So let's begin the story. Kids, I wrote this with you in mind. A Shepherd's First Christmas As day turned to night, Malachi and Aaron settled in at one end of the field. At the other end were Simon and James. They were all friends, relatives, and co-workers. Their goal on this night, like every previous night, is to keep a watchful eye on the flock. The year had been good, and their flock had grown. The modest but improved weather conditions for the land surrounding Bethlehem meant they did not need to travel so far to find green pasture. But with the increase of fortune came the rise of danger. Always lurking in the distance are wolves, many wolves. The goal of every pack of wolf is to pick off sheep, and the shepherd knew it. As a result, the shepherds needed to ensure the sheep stayed together. Their staff aided this cause. If Malachi, Aaron, Simon, or James ever noticed one sheep wandering away, no matter how scrawny or putrid, he would use the staff to usher it back to the flock. Under the cloak or in his left hand of each shepherd was a rod. You would be excused if you thought the rod was more important than the staff. If a wolf were to get into the sheepfold, the shepherds would use the rod to beat off the wolf. Malachi pondered that point as he stared into the distance. He has had to use the rod in the past month, but not for a wolf, but because of a venomous snake. As Malachi reflected on the moment, he heard a sheep snorting because of fear. He began to think about wolves and snakes as a metaphor for life. When he is not with his friends watching the flock by night, he is in town, or he occasionally makes the five-and-a-half-mile trip to the big city, Jerusalem. Malachi only goes to the big city when his wife Sarah needs goods for the house. Every time he goes, Malachi braces himself to encounter the wolves and snakes of life. For the last five years, Malachi has been awakened to the corruption of man, even of the religious leaders. Wait, especially the religious leaders. The observation has made him grateful for his local rabbi in his small town of Bethlehem. Then all of a sudden, Malachi's daydream was over. A bright light was coming down from the sky. Malachi was blinded, and he was gripping Aaron's shoulder. Aaron, for his part, was more attentive and saw the light coming from a distance. He already had his rod in hand, not knowing what to do with it. Simon and James rushed to join Malachi and Aaron. Each man had no idea how to process the light coming from the sky. Each trembled in fear, but with a mix of awe. Finally, the light appeared before them, just hovering above the ground. Simon had thought to swing his rod, but swing it at what? Light? It was all confusing. The light, the light began to dissipate, and before the four shepherds was what only could be described as an angel. The four shepherds were filled with wonder and confusion. All four men attended synagogue, or church if you will, every week. They were faithful Jews in every sense of what it meant to be faithful, but Malachi was the best at remembering and recalling scripture. The words of the Lord to Moses came to 
his mind in this moment, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Exodus 23 verse 20. Malachi also recalled the time an angel appeared to Abraham right before he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac to the Lord. And how could he forget about the seemingly super angels envisioned by Isaiah? Yes, angels were real, Malachi assured himself. But there was another pressing question on his mind. Why was an angel appearing before them? Four lowly shepherds. As the glory of the Lord flooded the area, the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel spoke Hebrew and not Greek or Aramaic, a curious fact that might easily be missed. The angel continued, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It was this last statement that provided information overload for the four shepherds. Everyone knew that Bethlehem was the city of David. That was common knowledge. But is the angel implying? No. Is he directly saying that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem tonight? And then, under his breath, James says to his friends, the prophet Micah. In an instant, Everyone caught each other's gaze. Sunday school paid off after all, because each man knew what the prophet Micah declared. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. The Lord who had always been from ancient days, will provide a ruler from the town of Bethlehem. This was the hope of the Jews living in Israel under Roman occupation. But back to the angel. The angel ends his monologue with these words, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. A sign? A baby? In a manger? Nothing was making sense. But as soon as the angel stopped speaking, another fantastic event occurred. A multitude of angels joined the one angel. How many? Malachi could not tell, and it did not matter. The angels burst out in praise, which was the most beautiful sound the shepherds had ever heard. In the middle of their pasture, with sheep milling about, they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. James heard an echo of a psalm, what one he could not remember. The praise of the angels lasted for several minutes, and Malachi, Aaron, Simon, and James found themselves on the ground. They were not told to prostrate on the ground, but that was their instinctive reaction. As the angels ended their praise, the lowly shepherds rose to their feet. The angels left the same way they came, and the four shepherds stared at one another in wonder. It might have been a few seconds or a few minutes, no one remembers, but Malachi eventually broke the silence by saying, A sign. The angel wants us to look for the sign. 
the other three shepherds processed the words of Malachi. And then Aaron spoke with agreement. The sign is a baby who is in a manger. Then James spoke up in a rationalistic tone. Brothers, I know that we witnessed a remarkable event, but how can we search for a sign when we have been entrusted to watch over 100 sheep? We neglect our duty if we leave. The other three shepherds felt the weight of their duty. Shepherding was their job and their means of supporting their family. But a plan was hatched. Simon lived the closest, and he ran home and woke up his two oldest sons. These two boys, along with James, will stay behind to watch over the flock. Simon and Aaron handed over their rod and staff. Simon's oldest sons were now going to receive on-the-job training. And then, in a matter of moments, Malachi, Aaron, and Simon went into town to look for the sign. Bethlehem was not a large town. It existed in the shadow of Jerusalem. But as a town of 5,000, it will take some time for the three shepherds to look for the sign. Bethlehem was quiet at this time of night, which would end up being fortuitous for the shepherds. They went through the city gate and started down the main street. From the main street, they would jet out into secondary and tertiary streets. They did not know where to look, but they were looking. After two hours of laboring, the three shepherds regathered. All of them were seemingly losing hope. And just when Simon was going to suggest they go back to their pasture, hope was reclaimed. Malachi, Aaron, and Simon heard a faint cry in the distance. It was a baby. Without saying a word to one another, they began to follow the cry. With each step, the silent night of the town faded. As the shepherds hurried down the street, another strange event took place. With each step they took, the cry from the baby decreased. It was as if the cry was a lighthouse off the great sea. The light guides a ship safely to shore, but once it has landed, the lighthouse has served its purpose. The cry guided the shepherds, and then it stopped. At that moment, Malachi did something he had never done prior. Malachi entered through a small trestle of a home he did not know. The trestle was filled with vines, but had not been attended to in months. Malachi entered uninvited. But it all seemed right, not because of how he felt, but because of what the angel told him. His instincts took over, and he knew where to go. Aaron and Simon followed Malachi without question. The shepherds walked single file with the stone house on their left. They took a left at the end of the wall, following the worn path that led into a secondary outer room. Some might say they were entering a guest house, but a few sheep lying, lying down to the right. Chickens roamed the open space, and a tied up at the post was a donkey. And for whatever reason, Aaron thought it was the happiest-looking donkey he had ever seen. No, they were not in a guest house. It is better to describe the place as a stable. And then, all of a sudden, in the short distance, was a light. The moment, that moment, Malachi saw the light, he spoke in the silence, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Quoting scripture had always brought peace to Malachi. 
The light was dim, but Malachi could make it out. He followed the light, while Aaron and Simon continued to follow closely behind. Finally, past what can be described as a privacy fence, lay a baby. The baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes, as the angel said. However, Mary and Joseph were startled by the unexpected visitors. Mary protectively and calmly grabbed the baby. Joseph rose to his feet and stood between his family and the three strangers. Malachi was always brave, but was not the greatest with words. Knowing this, Aaron spoke up and said to Joseph, We have been sent here by an angel. We have come to worship the Messiah. We have come to worship the Savior of the world. Joseph, having his own encounter with an angel, let his guard down. Mary placed her baby back into the crib. The spirit of the Messiah descended in the stable like a thick fog. Malachi asked Joseph, Why are you not inside? Why are you out here with all the animals? Joseph gave the obvious answer. Due to the census in Bethlehem, all the guest rooms had been taken. Nonetheless, Joseph and Mary expressed their gratitude for what they had. And then it dawned on Malachi. Why was he there? He and his friends were nobody. Their lives consisted of one of the most despised professions. They were constantly tending to sheep who were dirty and dumb. Malachi could not answer his own question. All he could do is affirm that God wanted them there. Ever eager, Malachi asked one more question to Joseph. What is his name? Softly and longingly, Mary whispers loud enough for the shepherds to hear. She says, Jesus. In response, Simon says, the one who saves. Names have meaning, and the name of Jesus was not lost on the three shepherds. Once again, the shepherds fell down, but this time it was different. The shepherds fell down before the angels out of instinct, but this time they fell to the ground out of worship. They fell to the ground as if they were before a king. They fell to the ground because they knew they were before their king. As Simon was kneeling, he reflected on what Isaiah saw and felt when he envisioned the Lord high and lifted up with the seraphim declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah's moment must have been stunning, but this moment meant so much more. In this stable, the glory of God was radiating through Jesus. It took some time but the three gathered themselves. Eventually, Aaron and Simon told Joseph about their encounter with the angels. As they exchanged stories, Mary listened on, storing up everything in her heart. Meanwhile, Malachi stared and marveled at Jesus laying in the manger. As he stared, an eagerness and urgency grew in him to tell others about the good news of the newborn and long-awaited Messiah. His zeal had always been several steps ahead of his actions. When the conversation between Joseph, Simon, and Aaron ended, the three shepherds left. They returned to their flock, 
glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them by the angel. Aaron told James and the boys everything. James, knowing he missed his moment to see the Messiah because of duty, was not phased. He trusted in the story of his friends, and he worshipped in the middle of the flock because his Savior was born that night. After a succession of extraordinary events, the shepherds ended their night the way it began. They tended and protected the flock entrusted to them by God. They continued in their vocation, but with a jump in their step. They tended to their sheep as if it was an act of worship. They tended to their sheep because their vocation was an act of worship. Whether it was the angel, the praise of the multitude of angels, or their visit of Jesus, everything had changed. Yet at the same time, everything remained the same. What had changed? The Messiah had come, and he was going to save God's people. How? The four shepherds longed to see the story unfold. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.